Opposite Measures Podcast. I'm Seth and Mike. How's everyone doing? Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Happy, happy Tuesday to you. Is it a happy Tuesday? It's it's really not, actually. Happy enough. Happy enough. (laughs) It's decent enough. It's been a great weekend. I I didn't really want to start the week. It was two nice days and really nice weather. Well, you're going to be hearing a lot more Power BI stuff from me. In the coming more month. than more than normal more, more than, than normal do you know why what? because if i have a pathetic 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 team that i support and i just had to go through and i need i need this right now okay? i need this I need, this is I your therapy this. right now this is my therapy right now hey, let's take watching, all our watching watching files <laughs> put them on sharepoint and share it from there yeah. uh, watching a pathetic new york yankees team just literally uh, just lay to rest no. saying like, you know what well, we're gonna call it in. Let's go fishing, because we obviously don't want to play baseball, and we want to, we want to strike out fifty times. We want to do something no team's ever done in postseason history by getting twelve hits in three games, doing the worst stats. And we have a manager. You want to talk about bad numbers? We have a manager <laughs> who follows statistics. You really need to vent. Wow, okay, go ahead. So Continue. hard. He follows statistics and doesn't use the eye test. It's all nerd test with him because there's so much stats in baseball when it's like hey you know what maybe your season's on the line bring your best pitcher your entire season he's like well no because we're gonna play this guy who plays well with the last three guys even though he's at nine at bats possible so what i'm trying to say is i have a little more time in my hands the yankee season's over in a really pathetic terrible way <laughs> how are you guys well, doing i was like i was gonna say i don't think this client's gonna hire you back <laughs> right I was like, Tommy, you're just broaching into here. It's like, I have a pathetic, pathetic team that I'm working with. I was like, oh, boy. Oh, man. I hope they don't listen to the podcast. I hope Jeter does so that maybe he can sign with the Yankees. I just it was it was a hard weekend because I got swept four games and over for those Houston. Yeah, goodness. Rough sports weekend. Go sports team. Go score goal unit. <laughs> Good. That's funny. That kind of hurts a little more too. I got to enjoy the the whole weekend. Son had both kids had a uh, all weekend soccer tournament, so I was outside the whole time. Oh, nice, it was nice. It was gorgeous. Nice. I can see you got some sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's because this pale guy and this pale head <laughs> covers himself all the time. Sun is relative. Sun right. is relative. Excellent. Uh, We've got about some couple announcements here, kind of intro pieces here. Uh, there's an exciting new release from Power BI Desktop this month. In there, we have, uh, let's grab the link here for everyone so we can all kind of check it out and see the new features. October 2022 release on the Power BI Desktop. There are some interesting features that came out. What are you guys' thoughts? What, what, uh, what resonated with you or it, what didn't resonate with you? So relative is a light term i think for this release okay uh the quick measure feature obviously is the the elephant in the room right elephant is the elephant in the room 100 percent. and this was basically the natural dax right i think this is just this is just write a write a statement yeah. and then it's going to try to automatically create dax for you or a dax statement around what you want to what you think what, what dax you think you're going to write I will admit, though, the most the hardest part every time in teaching classes around Power BI is always the DAX inside those lessons. It, it's very easy. The sums make sense. 
you start getting to calculate and filter context and context transitions and people start like losing it they're like uh not sure exactly so almost every time there's like is there like an easier way to like write some predefined dax things i was like yes and no <laughs> well does this i mean this makes more sense for the word quick measures because it is pretty quick but to your point this doesn't really help at all if anything it will throw people more off course if they're trying to understand context transition. No, right? I I don't think I don't think so, right? Like I I I think this is still trying to push the bounds of seeing like how far they can go with helping people create DAX. But I've been a while. Even in the descriptions here, right? Yeah. It's like this does this, but it's on you to check your measures. And you should check your measures and make sure that they meet ever like the criteria of what you're expecting. Yep. And you know it, it's not a all it like it even says in there i think you have like this isn't a replacement for you learning dax this... right so so i think they've shifted from the initial or at least to me it sounded like quick measures was going to be the thing right and it now it's dialed back to like this is to help you learn right or maybe maybe solve your problem but maybe not solve your problem so this is really not and honestly if you go back in the archives this is not quick measures or natural dax what people are saying this is q a and the reason I, yeah. i'm telling you this is exactly yeah. q a because without the visual because if you it's so here are the examples of supported measures <laughs> this is coming from the same articles so do not you, do not yeah. look over here do here not, i'm putting this in the chat this is a <laughs> Tips for asking Q and A it's, in Power BI, and it's going to seem very, very familiar. But hey, copy paste. Maybe you know, rather than a separate feature, you know, it just became part of the other one. I don't know. I I was trying to <laughs> test out a couple like measures myself, and it was doing weird stuff, yeah. and I, I wasn't understanding like why it was doing what it was doing. I thought I was being clear on what I was asking, and I guess where I was getting hung up, getting hung up on. I was writing more words in the question than there was actual DAX written in the statement. <laughs> what were you trying to do? I was just trying to test some stuff out. I was just trying to, some common functions, you know, calculating. Anyways, it just felt like to me, I was yeah. like, why am I, why would I write more human readable logic into words when I could just have written the DAX out it directly? Just learn the DAX, just learn it. Like it's just part yeah. of what you got to do. Um, I do think I, I do think there is an opportunity here for Microsoft to stop trying to auto generate everything and let the community actually build good decks and help the community inject those deck statements directly into models. You know, I'm thinking like Vuter's um, Power BI side tools, for example, right? We have the yeah. we have the ability of writing a template that defines a pattern of decks where you can create multiple measures and tables. Use that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Kratos BI, Chris, yeah, you were 100%. This is a Gartner feature, so I would, I would squarely put this in the Gartner feature. Well, I'm going to take the... Can we get a, back. you know, it's, it's I mean, not, if they it's were... It's new. It's just the Q&A in a, in a pane. Well, I mean, it is new because Q&A was trying to do, like, text. Like, you would, it was trying to build an entire visual off of what you were Without stating. The so, like, visual. With, there's no DAX written in that one, but this is, like, a, another feature of that. I mean, I get it. So, if it Check worked like Studio, if it worked like Copilot in, in Visual Studio Code, it would be amazing. But what it would do is it wouldn't take natural language. It would, you just start writing DAX, and it would just know what DAX you're trying to write. 
So to me, that would make a lot more sense. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that because take a look at the articles I'm sending in the chat. These are all Microsoft docs from years past on Q and A, and it's the same instructions they're giving you in the blog about here's the limitations, here's what questions you can ask, mm -hmm. here's how to ask them. It's Q and A just in the filter. It's in a in the filter. Yeah, thing. couple couple points, right? One is when natural language Q&A even came out, right? You, we all know that there was a ton of aliasing you needed to do. There was a bunch of like formatting of your text and measure names and all that, right? You, like those problems didn't go away, right? So Mike, yeah. to your thing, I'm writing yeah. two sentences and I, ha I have like two uh, lines of DAC or something like <laughs> that. That's inherently the problem is like, it's yes, not, not gonna work. And right. two, you know, I think they should just follow what we were talking about in our last episode around naming conventions. Can we just <laughs> yeah. get like a G underscore when you're putting out a Gartner feature or something so we know that that's what the purpose of it is? Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, with all these tools, automated insights, Q&A, um, uh, uh, quick measures, they, they serve a purpose. But at the end of the day, when we know all this too, DAX is dependent on the model. You can't write DAX without a model and the model depend like that's how you're going to write your DAX. Yeah. And unless Q and A or natural language or, you know, uh, quick measures DAX really understands your model and what's important, what's not. We talked about this with automated insights where we wish we could wait certain fields. Yes. Where this is more important than others. Correct. We know Same that thing. intuitively, yep. but we can't do that. So I think, there, I think there is a purpose here, but I think for obviously for us who knows DAX, like the, the goal is always going to be to do write your own DAX explicitly tell what you want to do. This is like in between implicit and explicit. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a mediocre it's, DAX. It's a tweener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of DAX, one of the, the improvements they did make that I that I do like that we've talked, Mike, you guys, I think you were originally talking mm -hmm. about this a long time ago, was putting the DAX formula bar in oh, the modeling yeah. model view now. Yes. They're listening that's, to you. That's a big Woo. win. That's a big huge, win. huge, huge. Right. Yeah, I was I actually complain ever modifying again. and changing oh, the relationships mm -hmm. um, and the properties pane for relationships. I think those are two huge really improvements on that page. Yes, exactly. And I, I, I love where that was going. It makes a lot more sense. I mean, it's it's just simple things. It was literally just the simplest things. Like I have a you know, a sum of something where I'm doing just going to, I just want to see what the, just show me what the formula looks like. What am I doing on the formula? It, I don't have to write everything from DAX from scratch. I mean, holy cow. It's crazy that they didn't have that feature before. Yeah, I'm super so excited you, that that feature. You can't turned complain out. anymore. Oh man. I got, when I saw that feature show up and I was actually in a training session, I think that was like last week on like a Monday or I don't know. I was in a, something with someone. I was like, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best feature ever. And it was the little <laughs> oh my things. Gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, do, you, do you like the relationship pane too? That little feature for the editing a relationship? I think it's a good consistent experience. I don't think I love it or hate it though. I don't I don't have I'm not really like torn one way or the other. I don't usually use the 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 relationship pane or rate relationship tables to make relationships. I typically drag and drop fields what I like. To, from from one field, one table to another, I usually use the drag and drop feature. That's what I typically yeah. use. What I, what I do like about it is that there they appear to be disconnecting the calls in direct query scenarios, right? Yeah. So you can modify and change relationships, and then there's a, a pause mm. before it's like, hey, I modified and changed this, as opposed to immediately 
interacting with source systems or you know where where yeah, things are a little slower. So. Yeah. Is that is that the it's um, a good good improvement. The, is it the pausing feature that you're talking about there where you could like pause a page and not have it just automatically query things? Is that what they were? No, this is, I, I think this deals with like the, um, maybe it is. I have to read, I have to read that one again. Not sure. Oh, um, another feature that I really liked that came out was the, and you should start seeing this now when you try to download files coming from the Got service. It. This is another good option. Um, downloading more PBIX files when you have the ability. So, for example, you turn you, if you publish a data set with incremental refresh, the model gets larger, and basically it blocks you from downloading the PBIX file anymore. Well, in scenarios where they have your data set is configured on a large model, if you have incremental refresh, someone has modified the report from the XML endpoint. Well, now what you can do is you can download a a, a copy of a report live connected to your data set, which is one option. And then in other scenarios, it'll actually let you download a copy of your report with the live connection attached to it. So they're giving you more options to get a PBIX file out of the data model. Um, and particularly, I think this is a good idea when people build data models, when they accidentally build the report and the model together, and they publish the whole thing as a data set and report, because you really don't want to do that. Yeah, you want that data set to be kind of separate than the actual report side. So I think this is going to fix a lot of those one data set, many reports kind of solutions. Well, well, I think I, I agree. I think this is two huge implications for this. I think one yeah. with really allowing to flourish in more organizations, the gold report than data uh, or uh, the thin reports, gold data sets and allowing that to be more of an option mm -hmm. for different scenarios. I was even testing that out for, for a client, like actually like we were trying to go through reports, like let's just do a quick thing rather than trying to rebuild the visuals. The other side of yes. this, is the self-service side because of power bi being part of office installs that's true so mm -hmm. i think this is going to because now they don't have to download anything it's like hey oh just download i don't know what that is oh look i already have an application that can open this pibix you know yeah yeah, yeah. Right? what's this pibix that we're talking right. about <laughs> what's this new thing on my start menu but i think that's gonna this is gonna be a huge part of that where there's gonna be more people really being able to I think do what they're supposed to do in Power BI. Maybe they don't need to do, be doing, you know, uh, quick measures and DAX, but building visuals. And that's the that's the beauty of Power BI, how easy it is to do that. And now they don't yeah. have to worry about the model. They can already see the visuals already there and be able to modify that. I think about the other tools that you were able to use. It, the other tools that you could have used at all previously was if you were going to do larger data sets, you could use Excel to a point. And then it would fall over. And the only other tool that I was aware of that was like business user centric was like uh, access, but you had to pay for that. That was, like a, that was like a paid tool. You had to go request specific access to go have it downloaded on your computer. So yeah. if your IT group is managing that for you, you don't get access to that tool. So I really feel like this is like the, this is the right tool. It's free. The price is right. It would come with the desktop installs. And now you have unlimited amounts of data you can kind of stitched together so i think it's going to be a great win i do think there's going to be a lot of challenges as admins start looking at it a bit more so i think it's going to be it's going to be a bit interesting that way so one of the one of the last ones i'll comment on is uh you, you guys are very familiar with like the do it first apologize later approach mm -hmm. yeah that's what the whole 
enabling and disabling data marts in, in the tenant settings kind of feels like to me. Yes. Right? Like, just put it out there and let everybody create databases and do all these things, and you have no control over it. And we'll see what and happens. Now it's like after. It's like, what does it say there? Like, based on feedback from our customers, <laughs> be like, no kidding. You put out a preview feature that they don't have the ability to control. Turn off their own tenants. Translating no. basically, we got a like, lot of people that yelled at us. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. dude, like, at, I, I, I can understand like when Power BI first came out, how you could like get those features out there and just like, oh yeah, I get tons of user feedback. But like, you have giant enterprise solutions where like if right. you just light up a preview feature mm -hmm. without the ability for a company to be like yeah no thank you R&D can take that we want to vet it we don't want our entire company right like mm -hmm. spooling right. up data marts all over the place like without any controls on them oh totally right. yeah yeah no, I think, so anyway I that's think there even, now <laughs> well I think it goes even deeper than that I think it's this idea of like you know Large organizations don't move as fast as Microsoft can now with their releases. Mm -hmm. So even mm -hmm. even when a feature does come out, everything wants to be gated for these larger organizations because they right. need to figure out what is the policy, what do we, what is our stance on this new feature? Are we going to use it? Where do we use it? Who's allowed to use it? There's there's policy that I think that needs to be kind of thought about yeah. first when those features are coming out. And so unless you're on an inner loop or an inner circle, you don't know about these things until they hit, until they're actually on. And all of a sudden one day you're like, oh look. There's this new thing called data marts and it's here. And like, so someone's got to be paying attention to what's going on in the release cycles here. Um, because then I was working for a large financial firm. This is their challenge. They're like, we, we, they wanted to turn off everything around Power BI. And only after they had a chance to review the individual features, were they able to like turn them on? So they wanted to kind of like lock down and then figure out what's next. And then as they decide if they want to adopt that feature, what is their policy? What does it look like? How do we govern it? And so, like, how does that turn on from there? So, I think that was a yeah. really great, yeah. It's you, you just got to build it that way from now on. Yeah. Or release it as a new feature in the next release. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Dan Meiser brings up he's he's observed uh, Power BI Desktop with a new spell check. Looks like spell what? check is part of the. Yeah, I think there's a. I, uh, I think I think there's some. Wasn't that a release or two? No, Maybe was, I, that's recent. Whatever it should have come out five years ago. It should have like, been there forever, though. You're right. It should have been like, why doesn't it have this? Yes, yeah. but even like text boxes or buttons or like it, anywhere across the program, it should have just have spell check in it. Yeah, because all the stuff I'm spelling wrong is probably horrible. Well, speak, speaking of, I guess implementing things and when to turn on or use technology. Yeah, this is a good lead-in segue into the topic of the day. So, um. In lieu of our, I guess, not misgivings, in, in, in lieu of our reservations around the um, the quick access or the, the quick access measures natural language, right? Here's our, our new topic for today, the, the Gartner hype cycle. That's technically what it's called. And there's, this port, there's a part of this graph that is the trough of disillusionment. So let's talk through uh, the, the Gartner hype cycle. And actually, here's the link for the article that we're going to go through today. Uh, I'll put that in the chat window. And uh, we're going to kind of talk through this one. I think this is really good. This is uh, the hype cycle here is, you know, if you imagine a new product coming out, there's this there's this moment where everyone's excited about it. It gets a lot of buy-in. People are really thrilled. To, and then all these expectations and, and 
everyone piles onto this idea or this new feature, or this new software program. Oh, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be so good. And then there there comes this point in time where uh, it doesn't really do what I want. I don't really know how to make it work. It's not really adding value. It's just expensive or something along those lines. So there's this there's this lull in that new feature. You know, investments happened, things have occurred, and that's the trough, the disillusionment. That's the that is the lull after the feature, all the hype is over. And then typically after that, either the product changes or it enhances itself. Um, and then it it becomes more robust. And then you start seeing this this plateau of productivity in the in the graph here. So if you click on the link, you should see uh, kind of a bit more of what we're talking about there. But that's this is the the article that we're going to go through today. And I, so I think, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go I was ahead. just going to say, like, uh, for the visual representation of this, right, is yeah. in the line chart where you have expectations and then time right as your x-axis where it's like yes. you have this huge peak of like really like innovation it spikes with like high high expectations and then drops all the way down right yes. and, and then pans out into this long slope of enlightenment but um i i find it interesting that like there's a lot of different layers to like are we talking about a specific technology that you're trying to implement in an organization? Is it a whole slew of technologies that you see, you know, et cetera? There's a lot of different things that I think they've applied this to. And I think the the big thing here is we could take it two ways, or there's probably two discussions here where there's the micro part of Power BI, where there's all the technology that continues to adapt and change. And then the really adoption of Power BI as a whole at organization and that evolution, that story. Oh, you're I, saying apply the hype cycle to adoption? I mean, it's is that introduction of Power BI like I, I to an organization? Yeah. Well, and I think I think there's I think there's a number of different ways you could look at it. I feel like when I look at this, I go, okay, well, I can look at the 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 hype cycle as Power BI product as a whole, and then I could even look at the the hype cycle as individual features of it as well. Like when I look at when I looked at all the mm. Twitter stuff on like, you know, I don't know when it was like Tuesday, Wednesday last week after the <laughs> feature, every single person had a meme or some kind of like, look at this new feature. It's it's, you know, right. Dax natural language. And, and you're like, yeah, there's there's a trough of dissolution coming very quickly after this one. Like this, this is coming quickly here. This is our peak of inflated. That is, that's a really good point, though. Right. Like those are like the features are accelerated. Right. Yes. Little 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 yes. uh, hype cycles, aren't they? Correct. And, and I, I think I would say there's like I've been a hype cycle around bookmarks to some degree, right? Bookmarks is like, oh, bookmarks. Let's build a whole bunch of page navigation and you build a whole bunch of things and you build a oh, bunch it, of high reports and you're like so excited about it. And yeah. then like three years later, you're like, crap, I got to maintain all these bookmarks. I don't know how any of this works right. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I swear. Like, so so what's interesting about bookmarks is there's a lot of value in them, right? In, in terms mm -hmm. of what you can do on the pages. The challenge yep. has always been visibility. Correct. I, think I just read this week that Reed is working on something with someone else to to create a like a, Yeah, yeah, where yep. they're they're going to they have a, a way to document or allow you to understand what's happening. I want to see yes. that because that yeah. could that could change how uh like usage of them for me if I could mm -hmm. if I had a reference point, right? Cuz yep. that's one of the biggest challenges with using them heavily is yes. walking into a report and literally Seeing what changed two hours, right. two hours to figure out yep. what, what yep. you have to do. Right. So right. that could, that could be really cool. You can so, also do that right now. I believe with PBA tools from um, Matthias can also 
decompile the Power BI files. And so his tool, PBI Tools, also does this and will let you see them at least. They won't be in a pretty format. So, you, you, you know, I think what Reed, yeah. when I saw a, a tweet from Reed was it's actually like in a table form and you can see like the name of the bookmark and the things It'll that be, it's doing, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If it's a simplified, you know, view of that, I think that could be a really powerful tool. So looking forward to seeing what that does. 100%. Anyway, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like features on the curve are are definitely <laughs> some of we some we just go hey no no <laughs> yeah yes yes well there's a good point very, here very yeah. short excitement period and then it's like nah, 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 not not it's not going to happen we, so there's that trough of disillusionment for us as the power bi developers and what we can implement what's coming out from microsoft but then there's a, the other side of the coin is from the consumer base of oh you're getting this new bi tool this organization so how how do you guys want to at least take it initially I think we should maybe we should start fifty thousand foot level. Let's start maybe okay. like at, at Power BI in general. Where do we feel like that the whole program sits, maybe, and then we maybe go into some specific features. I don't know. That's kind of where I was thinking about putting some of this this conversation here, and maybe other other things yeah. that you've observed around this similar pattern where there's a there's a huge hype cycle, but we're not we're not really getting value out of it until later on in time. I think the perfect example right now is Tableau. And if you talk to a lot of clients who move from Tableau to Power BI, it's there. Well, you were own... throwing stones, man. You were throwing some stones. I, I, I'm honestly not trying to be like a, uh, you know, like a bitter Yankee fan here or something, just try to make fire or, you know, makes whatever the term is. I don't know. You want like, to bring everybody. No, in you want everyone right to fight. That's I want, want everyone to be in my misery. That's what I'm trying to say. No, but seriously, like I, I've heard the last two weeks, I've heard a couple of stories of larger organizations who use tableau mm -hmm. or have used it for years and either they started the migration in 2017 or they're starting it now mm -hmm. to power bi because they're dissatisfied with the features in tableau and they see the grass is greener on the other side well so there's some cultural not cultural there's there's been some strategic business moves around tableau tableau is a, a self-driven company making their own money doing their own thing as right. Tableau, the company, and then it got bought out by Salesforce. And when, when companies yeah. like go through like this acquisition stage, I, I definitely think there's a moment here where the revenue that Tableau was generating is going back now to Salesforce and every dollar that Tableau makes doesn't necessarily go back to innovating on the product. I was in a large company that had three different business units, three distinct business items. One of the, one of the business units made a lot of money. They were making, they were like the cash cow. And so instead of taking that money and reinvesting it back into that product, what they did is they took the revenue from that to bolster up other parts of the company, which it happens. Like it works. But, um, oh boy, Tom, you just got clipped by Kratos. Wow. If you thought the Yankees had hate. Yeah. Whew. Well, it's better than calculated columns, no matter what. <laughs> I, I would disagree with that. At least my segment is squarely in the Power BI space. <laughs> oh but so I think I think to your point though, Tommy, though, I think a lot of people are finding like the product is expensive. It's not working the way they expect it to. There's a large learning curve with Tableau. And yeah, it's okay. I mean, it does it does some right. things very much better than Power BI. Like Power BI, you're not building a single visual as highly stylized and customized as with uh you know, Tableau. However, there's other tools out there, external tools like the NAB Articulator that I think add more of that flavor around being able to really stylize or customizing a single visual. So I think that makes, I think it makes sense that mm -hmm. 
there's a leave or a migration away from that because we're, we're not talking like a more business user centric tool and you already have power bi or you already have microsoft products it's starting to come with the package so why wouldn't we migrate one of the companies that i think is also struggling here too is click i've seen a lot of migrations away from click into power bi as, as well recently so even when the, the, yeah the, so people moved to power bi or we're initially evaluating it. And I think there's, it is kind of crazy how that, that graph, at least you can make either we're making it play true in our heads or it really did where it's like, Oh, this power BI thing's amazing. It can do everything. And that idea, mm -hmm. that, that initial idea that it can do everything is going to solve our mm -hmm. problems. Okay. Right? So this, this I think fits very well with the hive cycle in general inside right. a company, right? So we were on other tools, click or Tableau or whatever the thing was, who cares what it is. Right? You find Power BI and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to solve all up. I can do the data engineering right here. I can build these visuals. I can publish it. Great. And I think you you have the technology trigger, right? You've you've identified the technology of Power BI. I see where you're going with this now. And I, and there's like this immediate ex excitement inside page. an organization. Yeah, I... There's that peak of inflated expectations. Like, oh my gosh, this is Power BI is going to solve all of our needs. You know, you build your first reports. You get some people working in it. Not everyone knows how to use the, the tool intently and you get this really accelerated like, well, yay. And then you have like a whole bunch of failures, like meaning the data sets don't refresh and you run out of memory and things start falling over. And so I think that's your, your trough of disillusionment where you now start running into like DAX problems and calculation problems and you don't understand exactly how the model works. I remember when I was learning Power BI, there was like a moment there was like, I cannot figure out filter context for the life of me. It was just boggling my mind. I wanted to do something simple, but my data model was wrong. So it was like just impossible. And then eventually you start seeing companies after they get some policy around it, a center of excellence, maybe a community practice started. Then they start teaching their team how to use Power BI correctly or that find value from that. And then you start reaching the plateau of productivity. I, so two points I want to make. First is, I wonder how much of that is partly exacerbated when you market things like five minutes to wow. That's true. And and then business lay business users are like, oh, this is going to solve all my problems. And it's That's like, true. yeah, your view of what your expectations far outweigh like what this technology is actually providing you, right? This isn't mm -hmm. a connect to my data source, instantly generate all the reports that I ever need, right? Correct. No, you got to yes. put some work into it. Right. The second is I th I love your comment around and uh, the adoption, right? Like, mm -hmm. and also why I think it's really important that when you're going to roll out Power BI in an organization, why we've talked about it ad nauseum, and we'll probably continue to talk about it when we're talking about adoption, is having some of those those structures in place before you do the mass marketing internally, right? Mm -hmm. Because part of that excitement is is bringing people along for a ride as quickly as possible, right? They need a path of learning. And, and when you get them mm -hmm. engaged and they have incremental steps to continue to learn is when I think this, you, you win with software implementation or new technologies, especially like around Power BI, is, mm -hmm. hey, this is a new tool. We're here to support you. Here's the incremental things you can continue to learn. You get early adoption and yes. then... And then you don't have like this huge trough. And I think that's part of the conversation mm, we talk about so, too is yeah. how deep does that trough go, right? Sometimes it could be all the way to the bottom, but is it that way all the time? 
That's a good point. So I, I would argue, I think it, it all depends on that. It, it's, it's how far up you go in terms of the expectations. Uh, I don't, I don't think there's been another tool, uh, at least obviously I'm, I'm pretty biased, but when you think of the other technology, Microsoft is released like pow the power platform that has had the same slope or at least at organizations. And I think it's because of where power BI is positioned as business intelligence providing us the data when power bi first came out did the ability to oh to tell your organization yeah we can connect to all of our data sources and i can get these reports to you basically real time mm -hmm. that that idea in itself inflated the expectations and it to me goes back to where the the belief that the technology alone can solve the problems and nothing else. Mm. We don't need not. We do not need people involved. We the data is going to be fixed because of this product, and it looks like that initially, right? I because it has all those main metrics. But when it goes back to change management, it goes back to people. Pro, uh, to me, and process technology. I don't think the other, like I don't think a tool like Monday.com or Jira has that same slope down um or maybe they've been around longer but to have something so that you can touch your data like power bi i will challenge that to your kind okay well to, to me i think power bi was such a profound game changer in the industry there was nothing like that from a developer and from the consumer and then i i think that the slope down is deeper because of the expectations of what it can do without the realization that you still need people involved and you still need a good culture. So hang on a second though. You yeah. just said you just said that you think that the slope is going to be deeper for Power BI. Or have you have you seen that in any organization? That's really where I'm coming from. I've seen it one main where we are looking at new technology and found Power BI and basically from the ground up started building it into the organization okay. trying to adopt it and the that slope was that was a dark place my friend so the slope yeah. the, the, the slope in terms of pe people being able to effectively adopt it within your organization the slope that or let me uh, i apologize the wording there the that peak was incredibly high but that trough that slope down what was, i'm trying to yeah. understand is was it the technology and the software itself or the people not knowing how to use it and implement it i i think people i'm gonna yeah, say i think people. it was the people it's, it was the people not understanding Gotta what be. it can do and the expectation of like basically how to do it because there were for a large organization there are two people developing power bi and that's again a very common thing we see they say well one person can control all of this so and, here's one yeah. of, here's one of the challenges i have right in in this disconnect between fully adopting the hype cycle with power bi one is from a technology perspective, one of the reasons why not only was, like, was I an early adopter, but I was thrilled to try to get more companies into the early phases of adoption is because they built it on platforms that had been there for many, many years and were proven. Mm -hmm. Right. So it wasn't this brand new way of doing everything. It was just leveraging all the tools that they had had and presenting it in a much better and efficient way to get into the business. Right. And that's why I was like 100% behind the, the 
or sold on it myself, right? Mm-hmm. From a technology and software perspective, I don't, I don't see that it like, or I don't hear that many people outside of like, hey, I'd love to create a visualization. There are some things that the tool needs to, you know, enhance or that Miguel is going to solve all our problems, right? In terms of the visualization space, but in terms of like data access and delivery and providing value, it is the best tool on the market to get you those insights quicker than anything else. And I think to me, there's a huge difference between the capabilities of the tool and to like the trough of disillusionment is to me is like the software just can't do it. Like I had a really high expectations mm-hmm. that this was going to be able to solve these problems yeah. and it can't do it versus where, where maybe there's a separate, you know, adoption conversation where it's like, okay, I was sold that this was going to be easy and it's not right. And now I'm disillusioned because I have to go f- like learn these new things in order to implement it. And to I have me, to go that, do a real like, work now. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not the same thing. Right. It, yeah. Because I don't like, I don't see, I, I guess personally, I like, if we're going to try to put power BI on a curve, like I, I don't think we're, either it's at the peak or it's still on the way up, you know, because there's a lot of adoption for it. And it's a it's a very powerful tool from the standpoint that it's it can solve a lot of those easy, medium, and obviously complex. But it's like there's a lot of business value that it generates within an organization because of the tool sets that it has. So the cyclical nature, I think you spoke to something that you're spot on where that wow factor initially for organization is real. When that initial you do something, it's like, wow, I didn't know you could do this. But that immediately inflates whether fair or not what Power BI can do. And when there's that initial pushback, like, well, we can't do that in Power BI. No one's blaming the technology or they're blaming either the technology and the people like, well, we don't have the right people for this. This should solve everything. I've already seen how my wow, I've had my wow experience. Therefore, it should be able to solve these other problems, not understanding the background and what it can do. And I'm not speaking on the developer's point of view. I'm speaking on the high level, the people who are investing in it, the consumer point of view, that wow factor inflates the ease, the ease of it, if that makes sense. Because there's a lot of other things people want that the, tech, that the da- like we know the data has to be in a certain format. We need it, uh, you know, certain requirements. Those go out the window when that wow factor initially hits to me. Agreed. So here's I, an, I agree with that. I, I think that's, another, go ahead, go Seth. Ahead, I was going to say, I, th- I feel like um, a lot of what we're saying here is, I think if, if you look at Power BI product as a whole, I think there's a lot more planning and a lot more coming around organizations. So uh, again, looking at their adoption curve, right? Every year we're getting more new users than the entire program had previously been using, right? So we're, we're exp- the, the graphs that Microsoft has shown is like exponential growth, right? So every year we're doubling our user base. So there's a whole bunch of new people kind of getting introduced to the tool for the first time. However, what I would say is a lot of what I, what I feel like I'm observing is the product as a whole is very much productive. It's the, it, and what we're talking about now is a little bit more of like expectations alignment right. between what you can do with the tool and what the tool can actually do. Now, if you, if you understood those upfront, I would say you'd be able to look at other organizations who have adopted this tool, pull best practices from them and leverage them to make the tool effective in your organization faster than the next guy. 
So I think at the end of the day, I think if I looked at Power BI product as a whole, I would say we're on you know the curve portion that would be the slope of enlightenment or we're in the plateau of productivity, right? The tool has been out for for seven, eight years. People have figured out where the weaknesses are, what, what to, where to invest, where not to invest their time. Um, you know, Microsoft is investing in a lot more enterprise-grade features, which was something that was a very much initially lacking in the first couple of years. So we had a lot of these people, the business users were creating things, but we had no way of governing it. We had no way of, of visibly looking at who was doing what across my organization. We're getting much better tooling now that will help us get further down that path. So I, I feel like as a whole, the product itself is is much better. If I start picking apart individual features of the product, one of them being like data flows, data flows for me, I was super excited about data flows when it came out, but it was too buggy. It was too slow. I couldn't use it. And so I went through this very, I, went, I, I haven't used it for a long period of time. And now looking, now looking at data flows, it's been out for a couple of years now and they've been refining and making it better and improving it. I'm really liking the experience of data flows. I like the graphical interface and how they edit things. I like the new layout of it, the connectors they have. There's a ton more, more so than desktop, I feel like right now. They've got, they've made it really easy to connect to APIs um, and, and talking to other data systems through Power BI, uh, through a data flow. I'm really finding like, I'm getting to the point, like I'm out of the trough now. I feel like that feature for me is getting to be really solid and strong. So particularly that feature set is, you know, I'm getting more productive with that feature. Yeah. And yeah, so I'll let you go because I'll I'll let you I'm go. Gonna, I'm changing. I'm changing. Okay, my so mind, right? so you're changing your mind. Yeah. Okay. I think I think in read rereading just through the the different you know like basically the hype cycle is is the technology life like innovation. We were there. It was fun. Yeah. We we were you know part of part of implementing it right away peak of inflated expectations, right? Everybody had an idea around like what Power BI was going to do. They hit the DAX curve, they hit the visuals. And I think that was where the trough of disillusionment was. I think mm -hmm. we're through the hype cycle with them. Correct. Because if you think about the slope of enlightenment, like more instances of how the technology can benefit enterprises, like yes. obviously, because adoption is just through the yes. roof because of the business Correct. value that it has. And mainstream adop adoption starts to take off. It has, like it it's so far past. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm I, I think we're through the the counterpoint to that or the other point I want to make is. Um, if since the hype cycle is is about like understanding the technology and learning and when to adopt it in your organization, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to say is the is the hype cycle real related to the technology, because it you can you can see that it's like, hey, this technology boasts that it does these things, it doesn't, and then maybe it grows over time. But I think also within here is the people part of this, which exacerbates some of this, because I'd agree. How, how, how often is it that you have folks in the leadership positions that have to make the decisions around the technologies that don't understand the technologies? Right? Yes, and yes, that's where yeah. that's where you get uh, like we saw this all the time. Well, when I was consulting, you guys still are, where you have like mm -hmm. these the folks that come come at you with a, 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 a whether it's a migration from one tool to the next, or you know something didn't pan out or work out because they had a predilection towards a certain tool, 
And that was something that we got blasted early on as early adopters of Power BI with the, oh, well, it's not the tool. And I understand that, yes, but this tool offers certain capabilities that others don't. Mm -hmm. We know what this is. This is why you would choose that versus somebody who doesn't understand that this with a little bit of learning versus other tools not being able to, and you're going to sink a bunch of cost into solving that problem in different ways. So yeah. that's a huge point I wanted to make where that wow distorts requirements and the limitations to the exact point where the initial introduction of Power BI in an organization really impresses people, but then they're expecting like, oh, well, we need real time. It's like, well, we're using ODBC. Is like, so we can't do it. So they're not going to blame that we're, we have the bad technology. They're going to bring the blame the product. And that because I, and, and I've seen yeah. this happen. I've yeah, seen it happen where people, people brought in. So an, uh, leadership doesn't know necessarily percent. leadership doesn't always know who to hire to run the tool. And so when they go to interview or they bring in people to run power BI in their organization, if they don't hire the right person up front, they become uh the trough of disillusionment for the power bi for their organizations becomes can't solve the accelerated right because they can't solve their problems and they don't have a person who's capable enough to be able to make and modify or update those things so i've actually had companies adopt power bi uh was happy on it when i was running it because i knew what i was doing and building the right things but then they hired their own person like okay we're good we're gonna get our own person now they didn't ask me to help them hire the right person they brought in someone and they're like well the tool doesn't really do what we want actually the tool does your person just doesn't know how to do it right well yeah. part of what's missing on that chart and to to your point mike that's what's missing on this part is an exponential growth of that effort where when the it's quality control when a new product that's not missing, no, so, i just want to be clear uh, that's not missing yeah. on this chart this chart is just generalizing like how people right. interact what with I, new what technology I'm saying, what i'm saying was missing on a chart is another line of the amount of hours invested so what's what I feel here to your point is quality control. When a new product's released, it's meticulously introduced, right? There's a lot of effort going into any new product, any new report that comes out. The more requests, the more desire for more reports, all of a sudden what gets sacrificed is the quality if you don't have the people involved, right? So like when Power BI is first introduced, you're not releasing 20 reports at a time or nor are you getting 20 requests for reports. You're introducing a few reports, which really, again, it goes back to the wow factor. Then what happens? More people want more reports. They want more requests. They want, you know, they have more tickets come in and now that mm -hmm. either cannot be managed and the quality goes down for the sake of productivity okay. or for the sake of proficiency. Okay. Yeah. I like where you're going with this one because I feel like this is another point that's very relevant here too, right? We assume the tool is so amazing and we also make assumptions about how the development cycle will work with this right. new tool and we've never yes. tested it before. So we have people coming in going, oh, it should take me about two days to build a report. Well, then I think about all the things that Seth and we, you and I have talked about is like, well, what about the, what about the release cycle? Are we talking about certified data sets? Are we talking about who's cleaning the data? What's quality assurance look like? There's a whole bunch of other things for a report to get out the door and be reliably ready for people to consume it over and over and over again. And so for me, that feels like there's another point to this is we may not be right sizing our organization yet based on this new tool we're bringing in. We're bringing in the tool thinking only two people can run it. Yes, that works for like a small list of reports, but at the volume of our reports needs for our entire organization, we actually need four or five people to right size our organization. So like, 
there's some pieces here that I feel like are not being considered and organizations don't understand. This is why you go hire like an MVP or someone who consults in this space and has done this before because they come in and they help you understand the right sizing and the procedures and the governance around all the things <laughs> yes. that you're not familiar let's, with yet. Let's, 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 let's clarify. Um, finding the right consultant that knows. That's, that's very true. Yeah. It's very yeah. true. As opposed right. to a consultant, a consultant, consultant right. who's a Tableau consultant, but you yes. got sold the Power BI. But they, they also <laughs> say Power BI in their keywords. On yeah. the I know the word yeah. Power BI, so, I know it's yellow. But I, I, I do like that, like the, the, mm -hmm. the conversation around, you know, what it, what it, understanding and knowing those particular level. But at the same time, like Tommy, I think to Mike's point, contributing factor of the trough of the mint in application is not, not, not setting the in the implementation well, or as, as Mike said, might be a, like, should part of be part of that adoption or roadmap where it's like we we don't know the scale of of how it's going what's going to take to convert everything over into this, and it, right. It's so all, the it's, failure yeah. isn't necessarily on the technology. The failure is, yes, you didn't plan appropriately to to implement it within your organization, or or even worse, the expectation of the introduction to me, and that's what I'll call it. Where you introduce Power BI, no one knows how many hours you took to build those few reports, and people think, well, though the the leadership without understanding the technology and the limitations that your your company may have around data says you built that great and everyone likes it therefore these people can continue to manage that not understanding the desire or the request coming in um or the 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 more that power big guys to implement an organization it worked at the introduction it worked with those one or two people showing those one or two reports because no mm -hmm. one was asking for it when yeah. everyone's asking for it. And then the company needs to invest now, not just in the technology of Power BI, but they have to upgrade their data models. If they want predictive modeling, if they want these great reports, this with their quotas, they need to have slowly changing dimensions. They need to have things in a certain way, but there has to be that investment or the right people involved to understand that's what's needed. As, but it's, as I'm going it's expectations. Yeah, as I'm going through a lot of report builds or working with companies around their data problems and needs, is the further upstream you go towards solving data problems, Lake House, SQL servers, there's a, it, that's a, there are there are data patterns that happen over and over and over again. It's very common what occurs in these upsource tables, and and you can solve those problems very in a very common way. Um, the trough is deeper when the expectations are not managed. I would I would say so because because you get more I think the excitement I think you're you're right the trough is deeper because the excitement is higher and you're falling farther down that route you know between the, that that it's not working right. for me stage right I agree with that I think this is a pretty good spot spot to kind of start so let's go through final thoughts right final thoughts on the trough of disillusionment um, I think you know my final thought here I would say is. This is an interesting curve. I really like how this has been articulated. Actually, it's it's probably the, the hype cycle is more likely what we're talking about here instead of just the trough of disillusionment. I think this is um, this is a neat, interesting way of thinking about the technology piece. But I think I would also consider what we talked about a lot here that resonated with me was there's a lot of people and process that also need to be accounted for in this hype cycle. What does that planning look like? What is the what is the broader pattern? Of development how will that build in a way that you can actually leverage the technology and be mindful that 
you'll likely have to figure out people and a process that aids with the technology piece. And I think that's where you start really seeing the, you know, productivity coming out of a tool when you start thinking about those other things as well. Seth, maybe some final thoughts for you? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's good to see or at least have a visual. I don't know necessarily if it's like it, it, for software adoption, right? And technologies, I don't know if everything goes through the hype cycle, right? That's but true. at the same time, um, I think the success of a technology within an organization also relies pretty heavily on the, the individuals implementing it correctly mm -hmm. and providing success paths for new users, right? To, to adopt like the technology yeah. and understand um, yeah. how, to, how to not hit as deep a trough or make sure that, you know, that as things, you know, mellow out and people figure things out, as long as the technology supports it, you get into the, the smooth, smooth sailing faster. That's a really good point because new users are going to have the same kind of feeling. Oh, this is great. I'm loving this. This is so awesome. And they're going to hit the same disillusionment. Like, ah, crap, this is really hard. I get really stuck. So the more you can manage expectations up front and give them a reasonable, you're going to have less of that drop off, I think. That makes a lot of sense. Tommy, how about you? I think that the two main features here that are going to really limit this trough and allow that expectations to align with reality is it's going to be the leadership buy-in and understanding the technology or trusting someone who does. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think it's going to start there. And then number two, it's aligning that expectations. I think it's, mm -hmm. Hey, we really like this. You really like this. Well, what, what do you want to do with this in a year? Oh, you want predictive, you want these types of dashboards. Well, we're going to need this investment if we're going to get there and okay. having that allowing the person who knows the technology to lead that charge and having the uh, stakeholder really invest in that person. Totally agree with that one. Awesome. Well, with that, you've burned through another good hour. Uh, we've hung out and talked about some troughs of disillusionment. I think it's been good. I really appreciate the conversation. This has been good. Uh, we've we've been able to uh, get Tommy through his therapy this week of uh, <laughs> right. that he's following. I feel so much Tommy. better. I so feel better a little now. better. A little, a little, little better. <laughs> Uh, so with that, we appreciate everyone who's listening. We, the encouragement in the chat was awesome. Uh, thank you, everyone, for participating and talking. And we love inter interacting with you inside the chat window. We really appreciate it. Um, with that being said, we'd love to um, communicate more about the, the podcast. We'd love for you to share it with somebody else. So if you don't mind, if you find some things that are valuable here, if you find uh, Tommy said something funny and you want to clip his video, clip it, uh, share it on social medias. We'd love to uh, to continue just enjoying the, the content around Power BI. We, we really appreciate you guys. Uh, this is why we do it. It's super fun. Um, so, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere they're available. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. Join us live. Don't forget the Chicago Power BI meetups coming in November. Alberto Ferrari, Marco Russo coming to Chicago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we should yeah. uh, We should throw a little... Uh, Tommy, throw the link in there real quick. Yep, already did. So, we got 10 seats left. 10 seats left. That's it. And so, after that, we can't accept any more people unless we get a lot of interest. And then maybe mm -hmm. we could ask them to bump up the size slightly. So, um, the only the only question I guess I have now as I'm thinking about this as we leave is when does someone go through the trough of disillusionment with the podcast? What, what episode is that on? We, 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 that's what I'm saying. Ago. Not everything, not everything goes through this. this oh, I was, yeah. I was, I was, thinking just, just a constant curve. <laughs> I was thinking I was, we were just perpetually in the trough of disillusionment. Oh, okay. We set our expectations low at the beginning. We had low expectations at the beginning, so. There was no peak of expectations. There was, it was no the whole expectations thing is disillusionment. at all anyways, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, we're all disillusioned. Yeah, we've just brought everybody down into the trough with us. <laughs> that Mark says about minute thirty-five. <laughs> Every episode. Oh, amazing! Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. We appreciate it. We love having a good time. Take care, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>